0: Welcome back to Gays With Kids, the podcast. I'm your host, David Dodge, the executive editor of Gays With Kids. And today on the pod, we're going to be kicking off the first in the series that's focused on the costs of becoming a dad while gay and ways to make it more affordable. Surrogacy can cost gay men anywhere between 135 to well over 200K, depending on your unique set of circumstances. And adopting a newborn in the U.S. can stretch upwards to 50K or more. Now, whenever we have these conversations about caustic days with kids, we like to mention upfront a great way to make the process of becoming a dad much more affordable, and that's adopting through foster care, which is not only free, but comes with stipends and resources that the other paths lack. But not everyone wants to or can be a foster parent for any number of reasons that we will save for a different podcast, and that's totally fine. If you have your heart set on surrogacy or adopting a newborn and want to figure out the best way to make that happen for you financially, this podcast series will be for you we're going to be chatting with Matthew Erickson, who is a financial advisor with Northwestern Mutual and who has a long history of working with members of the queer community on achieving any number of different types of financial goals, including becoming parents. And so after you listen to today's pod, which is filled with great advice, also be sure to sign up for Matthew's upcoming webinar, Financial Bootcamp for New Parents, because even though we'll be focused during uh, this series on the upfront cost of becoming a gay dad, something most straight people never have to deal with or think about. Uh, We also then have to pay to raise those children once we have them, just like everyone else. So we'll be covering some stuff aimed at new parents today on the pod, but for a whole lot more detail in this area, make sure to sign up for Matthew's webinar, which will be on Tuesday, March 8th at 7.30 Eastern. He'll be offering some budget exercises, investment advice, and a whole lot more. You won't want to miss it. Head to gayswithkids.com, navigate to events, and then webinars. You can register there. And enjoy the pod. As always, like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Matthew Erickson,
1: welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. Very nice to be here.
0: So as I was saying in our intro, it is not cheap to become um, a dad when you are a gay, bi, or trans man, especially if you are looking at surrogacy or adoption um, of a newborn, Um, and so it's, you know, it it can be really overwhelming when I, when you get over that hurdle of just deciding that you want to become a dad and then you encounter these massive financial barriers, uh, which, you know, let's face it, not everyone, um, can just, you know, have this sitting around in in the bank. So, uh, but that is not to say that there aren't some great ways to save and to, uh, to be very smart about your finances that make this, uh, more approachable. Right. Um, and that's what I'm really excited to get into today with you. Um, but so why don't we just start with a really general question, but so how can a gay buyer, trans man that's interested in fatherhood um, approach savings and what, what should they be doing to, to prepare?
1: Amazing. Yeah, all of this is, is fantastic to talk about. And thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to, to be a resource and chat through some of these things. Um, when it comes to approaching, okay, how do I save for something that's a a large goal and and an important part of my life, the first thing we have to do is we really wanna take a look at, okay, what is your time horizon? Time horizon is gonna be a real um, important part of deciding, okay, where do I put these funds based on whether they're going to be able to grow in this time or if they're needing to stay immediately liquid because I'm gonna need them soon. Most of us know about a savings account, right? And so we wanna always be thinking about two things, okay, what might the market be doing if I put this in something that does have an interest rate on average that might be making it grow and help us out a little bit? Also, what is the rate of inflation? 3% is what we usually say. And so we really wanna make sure that we're outrunning 3% if it's something that is beyond a three year time horizon. Earlier than that, the need for liquidity versus the, the risk of it possibly being in a market turn or a down market, um, is too great to risk um, because you could risk losing money, and then instead of it being something that worked in your favor, it ends up hurting you. So let's actually approach this from um, multiple perspectives because mm-hmm. you know we have a, a wide
0: um, array of, of followers um, and listeners, and uh, and you know some probably one of the most common pieces of feedback we get from from uh, dads or questions is. Uh, you know, I really want to be a dad. I'm really excited. And then they just get like crestfallen when they see the prices of service mm-hmm. and adoption and everything. Um, so let's approach this. What kind of advice would you give to someone that maybe is coming at this with very little to no savings, very little in in the way of investments Uh, versus someone that might be a little bit
1: further along in their savings plan. Definitely. And so the first thing to always remember, and I think this is something that uh, is not shared enough with people, is you don't have to pay this all at once. This is something you can break up over time. And so if you're getting strategic about what time frame, okay, the agency fee is needed, or if it's going to be an egg donor situation, insurance, things like that, breaking it up will also help make it be more manageable. And The other part of it, too, is you don't have to shoulder this all by yourself. There are a lot of other avenues beyond just saving your income that can be a resource to you, and that falls under things like grants and specific types of loans. There are Loans specific to adoption. There are also loans that are specific to being used as home collateral, as a home equity loan, things like that. There are also grants. If we're looking at something, um, if you do research, I really recommend doing research on the grants, but look at also the people that have reviewed as past recipients of the grants. So if you look at something when you're going like the National Adoption Foundation or a Child Waits Foundation, um, Help Us Adopt, all of these are, are, and there are many others, are places to start and start to see, okay, well, what are the criteria for this grant? What happens when I get it? One of the things is this, um, it's important to know your grant is specific to adoption. So it goes into an escrow account with your adoption lawyer. And if it's ends up that you don't adopt, it just goes back to the foundation. And so thinking about that and then, you know, get creative. Um, There are crowdfunding sources, things like um, uh, adopttogether.org. That is something where you can create an actual crowdfunding page that people can donate to specific to adoption as a platform. There's also GoFundMe, things like that. Um, And then one of the things I think is really fun is to think about, okay, well, if someone was going to be having a baby naturally, well, they would have a baby shower, right? Why not have an adoption shower? Why not have something that becomes something that is actually helping you monetarily get ready to adopt this child in the same way someone's getting ready to have a baby with a baby shower? I think those things are fun, and we can get really creative with that. The other thing is when we're looking at the type of family planning where is this going to fit most into what's happening in your world? Is it surrogacy and IVF? Um, Is it uh, agency adoption, independent uh, independent adoption international? If it's something that you're comfortable with, foster care to adopting is a really cost effective way to do this. And when we look at the world there's about half a million children in foster care currently when we look at the statistics there are a lot of kids that need a really great home and so it really boils down to also what is your preference when it comes to how the family is going to be built and also breaking it apart so it doesn't become so overwhelming and then looking at avenues that are a little unconventional beyond just your earned income
0: yeah a lot of really great suggestions in there i'll I'll just say um that uh, we actually have a lot of um, stories on on our site about gay dads who managed to crowdsource a lot of the funding to help with either surrogacy or adoption. and And without uh, fail, they're always in these stories, they start with, "Oh, you know, it's really uncomfortable to be asking friends and family for this kind of um, uh, of, in- of an investment in you know in your future. but um, but they were always surprised by how many people were willing and in- interested to do it. We're just in the position where um, our paths to parenthood aren't going to just happen overnight and they don't happen without a lot of support um mm-hmm. so i would encourage people to go uh, check out some of those crowd uh, funding stories on our website um we'll, we'll link to some in the in the post that we do on this as well um and then foster care we are huge advocates of that here at gays with kids again it is not for everyone and that's totally fine if you have your heart set on adopting a newborn or having your own biological child obviously that's not going to be uh the route for you uh but it is also important to note that with um with uh adopt, especially with adoption um that you know there are i think the statistic is one in every uh, uh there's one uh baby born for every 36 waiting families so there's uh going to be a longer time frame um waiting if you if you have your heart set on a newborn which is totally fine it'll happen if that's what you want uh foster care can happen very quickly actually once you go through all the training and the, and the certification and like you said is not only um uh, free, but it comes with resources until, uh, yeah. your, your kid turns, um, 18 to 21, depending on the state. So, uh, a really great resource. We have like a whole, uh, ton of information about all this on our, our, uh, site. So go to gayswithkids.com, check out some of this a little bit more, including some articles by Matthew that uh, go into all this in more detail as well. Uh, so let's talk about how people can organize their money and where should they be putting it? And again, let's think about this in terms of uh, people, maybe just at the outset of their savings journey here, and maybe
1: some people that are further along and what kind of different pieces of advice you give people for that. I think first and foremost, if I can really present anything in this conversation, work with a professional. There are people like myself, I'm a, I'm a credentialed financial advisor that does this As what I've devoted my life to. And so having someone that can also help guide you in this understanding of money just in general, which can be very personal and so finding someone that is going to be in line with your values you feel comfortable with and also able to dig through this with you, you have enough on your plate. Um, and this should also be an exciting time because it is such a potential for having the thing that you wanted for so long, which is just create this beautiful family. Let somebody that's a professional also hold the uh, shoulder some of these things. And so I really recommend uh, talking with somebody, myself included. Uh, you can reach me through the site and everything as I as I partner up with Gays with Kids. When it comes to looking at different kind of timeframes of where are people in their savings, I would say. The first thing also is to remember beyond just going into being able to afford and start the adoption process, what is happening after you've adopted the child? There has to be also long-term planning. And so thinking about this idea of, okay, how do we get comprehensive with our financial planning? How do we create structures that are risk management and protect the child and the family of something were ever to happen? How do we then invest in retirement? How do we invest in education for the child? There are all different ways to be thinking about overall comprehensive planning. So just be very careful that the only planning doesn't just lead up to the actual adoption. And then we're like, okay, well, what do we do now? That's not great, right? And so with that, you know, people being in different uh, parts of their life, I think the more you can plan ahead for this and really make decisions about where and when this is going to become a part of your life, the better. Um, It is much harder to get into a place where you are able to financially do this quickly by deciding a year ahead of time or two years. And so it's not impossible, but it also is something to consider how long can I get this really in place so I feel really structured and have a great foundation and know that I have time to create this. And so if somebody is in the very beginning stages of this, uh, when you talk to a financial advisor, finding out, okay, well, what, how much needs to be an emergency fund? Make sure that is there, it needs to be there. Then breaking down, I'm very big on uh, being very specific with what accounts are for what. And so as you start to put money away, make sure that you're thinking about where is this going and make sure that that money is just in there as its own thing in terms of, okay, this is my adoption fund. This is my emergency fund. This is my retirement savings. This is my investment portfolio, et cetera. If you're at that point, Um, starting earlier than that, I think the biggest thing is understanding how to save, uh, looking at your budget, breaking down, and sometimes looking at the numbers might be a little scary, but you can't fix things or dig deep into it until you address it. And so uh, I really recommend uh, working with someone to work through your budget and then see what's left over every month. If you have X amount left over every month and can start putting that into savings and you look at the amount that you're gonna need, multiply it by the amount of months. And that'll tell you how many years you have if you're doing it in that strategy.
0: I'll just um, add to that, that it's it's, uh, difficult, I think, for people that are not, that maybe fatherhood is something that they, uh, they know it's something they wanna do. They know it's a dream. Uh, But they're, you know, they're not ready now, right? Like they might not even be ready in the next two to three years. Um, But then when they are ready, all of a sudden they get hit with this financial reality. And exactly, I think, uh, picking up on what you just said there, that this is not something that during, you know, especially through surrogacy, uh, and uh, domestic infant adoption. These are not processes that are going to happen within a year or even within two mm-hmm. years often. It can take even, and that's just by way of the actual, even if you have the money ready to go. <laughs> right, so it can, right. It can take that long for these processes anyway. And this is, can be, you know, it can be a hard pill to swallow. But when your finances aren't in place in addition to that, then it's really going to push your timeline out even further. So uh, it's something that we tell, you know, uh, young queer men all the time when they when they come to us, like what's one of the biggest pieces of advice we can get uh, give in this instance and it is exactly that to start start saving now start putting you mm-hmm. know create this account like you're saying now this dedicated, even if you're only putting in a little bit um, uh, at a time it's still going to add up and it will be hopefully a bigger you know nest egg when you're actually mm-hmm. ready to, to take this plunge
1: and it's not like you have to necessarily always use that just if it's being the case of I think this is going to happen, so I'm going to start saving. If it becomes something that down the line, right, you don't end up doing, well, you have this huge savings for other right, goals. Exactly. Win win.
2: <laughs> hey everyone, Brian Rosenberg here, founder of Gays with Kids. I have exciting news for those hoping to become dads. Until now, determining your best path to fatherhood and then trying to wrap your head around all the moving parts could best be described as overwhelming, complicated, and sometimes downright baffling. But not anymore. In early February, we're launching GWK Academy, a specialized program created specifically for queer men looking to become dads. GWK Academy should be the very first stop on you your journey to fatherhood. First, we'll help you determine your best path to fatherhood. Then, whether you choose surrogacy, adoption, or foster care, we'll give you the information, the resources, and the connections you need so you can launch your own journey feeling prepared, knowledgeable, and competent. So be in the lookout for our official launch announcement at gazewithkids.com and make sure you're following us in social media at GazeWithKids.
0: So so I guess something I want to just kind of uh fully throw into this conversation to get your advice on this, because it's mm-hmm. something I think we can often dance around when we talk about finances and all this. Uh, but, you know, so Americans are drowning in debt, right? If it's mm-hmm. uh, student loan debt or credit card debt, um, maybe they're, you know, um, struggling with their mortgages. Um, so, you know, and, and gay, bi- and trans men are no exception, right? We're just as mm-hmm. uh, um, susceptible to this as uh, as the rest of the world, uh, as particularly the rest of Americans. Um, so mm-hmm. let's say that fatherhood is a dream of yours, but you have, you know, moderate to severe amounts <laughs> of debt that <laughs> you to be thinking about, or, you know, even Mm -hmm. mild amounts of debt. So like how, how, as a financial advisor, what would you kind of coach someone to think about, um, you know, is it something that you should pay off everything before you even think about embarking on these, uh, these very expensive processes, Mm -hmm. or
1: is there a way to kind of do it simultaneously? So this might surprise you. (laughs) It does. When I work with clients a lot, some debt is good debt and you want to keep it. When you look at something like a student loan or your mortgage, Take a look at what the interest rate is on it. We're going to compare that then to other places that might be able to surpass that with growth. So if we look at a student loan, for instance, right, they tend to be somewhere between 5 and 6% of interest going on it. Mortgages right now are great. They're at 3%. Uh, those are good debt, in my opinion. Now, not everybody can handle that emotionally when they think about it. And that's understandable too. When it comes to financial planning, I can't urge enough that it's very individualized and specific when you get into it. So when you talk one-on-one, it gets, it gets much more catered to you, which is why I get a little, I get a little fussy about the kind of general, uh, financial planning, uh, people that are yelling at everybody what they should and shouldn't do at the end of the day there are things that are generally great that's great but you also should talk to somebody one-on-one i'm not going to mention names right but you all know so but (laughs) (laughs) but um but with that because of that we want to think okay if i'm paying this off and it's a 5% uh, interest on it. But the money that I was putting in there could be put into something that customarily over time has something that is a greater growth. When you look at something like a mutual fund or something that has, if it's longer time horizon, more aggressive, you can start getting into double digits in terms of the growth. And so if that money could be growing at, say, 10%, 15%, 19%, and instead it's being put into something to pay off that's 5%, you're missing the difference. And so that is something to wrap our heads around student loan unfortunately it has become this very much uh, necessary evil that is, is uh, I don't know if I call it evil, I'm not getting, but it's something that's- uh, It feels pretty know, evil as someone has. that's struggling with yeah. that yeah. everybody has I'll use the word
0: evil. It feels <laughs> yeah, very Yeah, thanks.
1: <laughs> I have to be careful to remember. I'm very much- I understand. Government. I don't You're have to be. I'm like, yes. yes, thank you. You save for me. <laughs> but then credit card debt is different. And so with that, then we look at, okay, well, what is bad debt? Bad that our credit cards. And so when we look at the interest rates on things that are over um, debt, it's things like credit cards, where it might be 17% to 27% of interest being charged on it. So with that, we want to get that under control. There's a trick, and people have probably heard this a lot, but it's, um, it's also a little counterintuitive. Take your credit cards, list them from highest interest rate to lowest, and then instead, Instead of trying to pay them off all together with extra, pay all of the money that you would have been paying on all of them together, combine it, add it to the first card on that list and the payment you'd be putting to it, get rid of that one, celebrate, have a party. I'm a big fan of celebrating when tech goes away, move to the next. And then what you were putting on that, add to the minimum. So with the others, pay the minimums until you can start getting rid of them one by one. Um, Also budget, you know, what is the budget of actually having a child? What are things like groceries gonna look like? What are new clothes gonna look like and the growing out of them? (laughs) And so, uh, and start looking at budget. It just takes some some digging, and I, I joke around sometimes. I'm like, we need to re we need to Marie Kondo your finances. Whenever I talk with somebody, what's bringing <laughs> bring in joy and what is not. And so, <laughs> so yeah,
0: that's uh, no actually a really great piece of advice. I haven't heard that about um, uh, the various credit card debts. It's actually very smart. So, and I will just say in foster care. So we've mentioned this is obviously a, a, the least expensive option and a really mm-hmm. wonderful way to build your family. But even here, I've, I did a story a couple years ago um, about a family who. Uh, just wanted, you know, they had a lot of debt, um, and so when they were applying to become a, a foster parent, they actually were. There's very few things that will uh, reject you from being uh, certified as a as a, a qualified foster parent, um, and debt isn't one of them necessarily. But it, they mm-hmm. they basically said we need to work with you to make sure that you're in a financially more stable place before we feel comfortable. But, You know, so even in foster care, which it comes with resources and is a great option. Uh, you still need to have, you know, your your finances in line there mm-hmm. as well, which, uh, which surprised me when I learned that.
1: Um, there's also, you know, having something that is a structure that is a risk management portion that when you are into this part where you are having a family, if something were ever to happen – that is possibly something that could come into play. How is this child always taken care of and covered, regardless of what life throws at us? And that's looking at things like life insurance and disability insurance, and and looking at things that also grow for the child in their name. Is there a trust? Things like that. And so um, that's the other part of okay, how does protection get in place so this child is always taken care of? Yeah,
0: absolutely. We'll get into a whole slew of other things about when you actually have the kid in your home, like um, other things. You need to be thinking about for financial planning, yep. uh, but I'm curious before we get there. So we've already touched on a couple of these, but some other ways to um, you know raise the money to help offset the uh, costs associated with this. We've mentioned some grants uh, mm-hmm. that are available, um, and again, we have some good information about this on our website as well. Uh, but what other what are some other ways that people could be thinking about um, to to help uh, to make this a little bit more affordable? Uh, we mentioned crowdsourcing. We've mentioned um, grants.
1: Mm -hmm. There's also loans. Uh, When we look at loans, that is something that uh, is also done by a lot of people. My sister, for instance, I am a gungle of uh, of amazing uh, adopted boys. And uh, my sister, in terms of going through all the different processes, really looked at also loans and loans in terms of a home equity loan or personal loans that are actually adoption loans are out there. Right. I just really recommend always, always, always look at what is the interest rate and what is the time frame they're expecting you to pay this back. And is it a fixed interest rate or is it a variable one or floating one that can change at different times and you are signed up already for it? I am not a fan of that. I am very into fixed interest rates. Let's always go into what we're going into eyes wide open. And so right. yeah. loans with that. Um, And the grants we talked about and and where to put earned income, crowdfunding, um, events, Uh, (laughs) that's where I'm like, let's throw a party, let's do something that is also raising money for this, I call it adoption shower or, you know, if you, I joke about like, you know, putting uh, one of those big cardboard thermometers up while you're there, and each section that you have to hit is maybe one of the the steps of okay, we get this much everybody we've hit our agency fees we get this much now we have this for our insurance paid all of that and you can show people in doing that what you go through also in terms of steps because you mentioned earlier and it's a hundred percent true people don't realize how much goes into this No
0: no idea at yeah. all. And yeah. so
1: when they hear that, there is something that compels people It's like, oh yeah, I can get on that. I didn't realize that. How do we all come together and you're creating a beautiful family and these people care about you. It's not about asking for money. You mentioned that um, a little bit before how that sometimes can make people feel a little um, uncomfortable. I talk about this also with when you're doing uh, savings for debt a reduction and also savings just in general. When you're saving and taking things out of your budget monthly so that you'll have extra money, don't think about it as like, oh, I don't get to have my you know, fancy coffee every morning uh, each month because of this. It's not. Don't think about what you're not getting. Think about the positive side of it. Oh, by not doing that, I get to put more money towards this amazing goal. It's the same kind of mindset when you think about crowdfunding and talking to family. This is not about asking them. This is about inviting them into the celebration of what is creating this family. And people want to be a part of that. And it's a beautiful thing for someone to say, oh, my God, I was a part of this process and celebrating bringing this child into an amazing home. And so sometimes it's just a little flip of language and just a little flip of thinking that can flip everything to positive thoughts, not negative ones. And those will get us much farther in life, just in general, not to get too hippity-dippity, but it's the truth. <laughs> no, I, I
0: really like uh, the thinking of it in that way. And I, I think there's also in doing that, um, you can, like you've kind of hinted at, turn this into like a teaching moment <laughs> to let yeah, people know, you know, especially a lot of our straight um, you know, brothers and sisters out there that have no idea what it takes to go into this. I think, especially with adoption, people come to it thinking like, oh, I'm doing this great thing. And I'm really excited to form my family this way. And then are just shocked at how expensive it is. And the more you dig into it, you understand why it is, uh, it costs what it does. Um, it doesn't mean it's, great, but it is, uh, you know, there are reasons behind it. So as you are fundraising for this and, and reaching out to people, like you're saying, you can kind of uh, teach and show people um, why these processes are so expensive. And I, you know, that in doing that is also, a, you know, a great, um, a great service, I'd say to, uh, to your friends and family. Um, so, so yeah, let's, um, let's, oh, and I would actually, one other thing I wanted to say about ways yeah. to, and this is more of just me putting my um, advocacy hat on <laughs> more Definitely. and more, more and more employers are offering, some sort Ah, of benefits, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, and more should, not enough do, but but a lot, especially a lot of the big tech firms, some of the bigger employers are starting to offer uh, benefits, not only uh, for adoption, but also to offset some of the costs associated with surrogacy and IVF. And this is because gay people have gone to advocate in these places of employment to explain exactly what we're saying here, that people don't understand why it's so expensive. So once they do, and they understand that this is something that's specific uh, to the queer community, I mean, a lot of people adopt and do surrogacy, but these are, our options, right? In addition to, you know, co-parenting and some other um, forms, uh, foster care. But uh, yeah, people don't understand what it takes and that includes your HR department. So when you, uh, oftentimes, uh, some employers are a little bit more willing than you might think uh, when you go in, if they don't offer these to have a conversation with them and just say, hey, you know, this is what I'm going through. This is what it costs. Uh, you know, you should consider maybe doing this as a as a benefit in in um, mm-hmm. in your place of uh, work. So uh, we're hoping to see more of that. We're hoping to put together a toolkit actually, in the in the coming year that will help kind of guide people
1: in that. Yeah, I just think everything is just such an opportunity to get creative and figure out ways that are going to have this sum be greater than the you know sum of its parts, and the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. And so, um, and yeah, celebrate if it's something that you're doing as crowdfunding. Set it up where it's like when we hit this part, you know, three to $10,000 figure out that is guess what everybody we hit lawyers fees next stop, next stop adding on home study and so uh, get everybody involved in it I think it's I think people are going to be way more excited than one would think.
0: Okay, so now we're fast forwarding. You've managed to do all of this incredible savings. You've crowd, you've bugged your friends and family for money and are <laughs> thrilled to be part of it. Uh, you've mm-hmm. you know, gotten your HR department to give you some money you didn't expect about. You've applied and received a grant, hopefully maybe you've taken out some ones. You have your baby, you have your child. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is the part where most straight people begin their journey, right? Like you're yeah. just starting to <laughs> afford... All the crap you need for for a new, especially with a newborn, but for any kid, you know, it's not it's not a cheap um, uh, process. So, uh, what what should people keep in mind? You know, this is something people need to be keeping in mind as they're raising the money and and figuring out the the money to even have their child. Right? You need to start Mm -hmm. planning for day one when you bring your child home. So, what should people have in mind? And uh, we'll get into some specific pieces of advice here.
1: I think for uh, what I've uh, encountered when when talking with clients is, you know walk yourself through the imagination of what your day-to-day life is literally going to be like. How often are you going to sleep? Unfortunately, things is something to be thinking about if you are with a newborn. Um, but okay, how much do I need to spend or give myself a budget on for clothing? How much are we gonna add to this grocery bill uh, in terms of looking at baby food and diapers and things like that? There are a lot of um, sudden costs that might pop up that if we don't think about it ahead of the time might catch us off guard. And so looking at from a budget standpoint, what has to be factored in from my month to month of what my income is that's coming in. I think that's the first part. And so that comes through specific and purposeful budgeting. And so creating a budget is first and foremost, how do we see the day to day being something that we're not worried about being able to fund? So that's the first part. The second part is, I mentioned this a little bit, it's um, you need to have always an emergency fund. An emergency fund is an immediately liquid fund of money. I recommend three to six months of your entire living expenses. That means your retirement contributions, that means everything. Three to six months of that in an immediately liquid account. However, when you hit that, stop putting money in there because it's not gaining. It's actually losing value because of inflation. So if inflation is 3% and you're gaining, let's say, in a high-yield savings account right now is 0.5% based on the federal funds rate with most of them, you are actually losing value by it being there. The trade-off of it being immediately liquid for an emergency is worth it. After that, we want to make sure that we're being purposeful of, okay, well, what are these dollars now for? If it's that we want to start growing wealth and putting it into an investment account, working with a professional such as myself would do a risk profile on you to figure out what we would do with the money in terms of how comfortable of the aggressive versus the conservative percentage mix of the portfolio. So that's now we're looking at, okay, how do we grow wealth? And then above all, all all comprehensive financial plans start with a very, very strong base of risk management. That means having your life insurance in place, having long-term disability in places. These things are actually your greatest asset. Your ability to earn an income or the ability of that income being able to come into the household is your actual greatest asset. Because when you take it across 20 years, you can see that adds up to in the millions, most likely, and in, in a lot of cases beyond that. So we think as our income is 20 years, not year yearly when we think about protecting it. And so because someone's still going to depend on that, whether you're here or not. And so that's the other part. And So being able to build off that, you know, you have a really secure, comprehensive plan, and then you can start getting into places that are more creative about growing wealth and also you know, maybe a long-term plan of, okay, how do I save for retirement? How do we create a fund that is for the child if, if education is important to you and you're wanting to help fund the child's education later in life, the earlier you start the better with all of this uh risk products are based on your age and your health and you lock certain things in with your health and so that's always good to start super early because it's less expensive and you have a longer time to be able to have as the time horizon if you use it as something that grows wealth as well same thing with anything with it being education funding there are things called 529 plans there are things that are specific as um, tax benefit when it's used for educational expenses and so there's a Ton of things to look through and talk about and you're going to hear me say this like a billion times (laughs) talk to a professional um, because they'll help guide you and um, and I am a resource with the kids so you have my information.
0: Well, so I think that's a great transition to this, because we, yeah, mm-hmm. we've mentioned many, many, obviously, all of this, I think would be much more approachable with someone that's helping guide you and, sh- and show the way. So uh, let, for, for people out there that may have never worked with the financial advisor, really understand uh, exactly the role that you play. Uh, let's mm-hmm. just break down very plainly for people, kind of the, the services that you can provide um, mm-hmm. at both ends of this for, for dads, right? Before you mm-hmm. become a dad and, and all that savings, and then all of this stuff that you're talking about here.
1: Yeah. So the type of financial advisor I am, it's it's interesting because there are a lot of ways financial advisor is interpreted depending on the person and where you're going. The type of financial advisor I am is I'm a comprehensive financial planner. I have a comprehensive financial advisor. And so I do planning with people across life. And so I'm with them through the short term, the midterm and the long term goals. And we're figuring out how to bridge across those yearly. And so having someone that's comprehensive in that way, I think is really important. Uh, the first and foremost thing is like when I meet with people, for instance, I have to sit down and talk with them about what their goals are and what funds are where. Is there debt? Is there assets? Are there things placed that I should know about? And then I go and do my planning after we sit down for a good hour and and we kind of dig through that. I can't prescribe anything until I diagnose what's going on. And so that's first and foremost, looking at the bigger picture and knowing that we're gonna take a look at these puzzle pieces and that's gonna make this picture over time, but we wanna do it purposefully and you know, chipping away at it in some cases when needed. And, uh, and then you know you start looking at the categories and I work with, okay, risk management, life insurance, disability, annuities, looking at growing wealth, investing, portfolio management, uh, looking at retirement planning and tax efficiency when you're accessing funds and when and what age, uh, debt reduction strategies, goal mapping, things like that. And so uh, for me, that's how I break it down. Uh, That's in general. The other side of it that I'm really passionate about is the fact that, so when I started at my firm, uh, which is Northwestern Mutual Park Avenue in New York City, uh, when I started there, I was the only openly gay advisor there at my firm. Now I have my own practice. And so as I built that, I wanted to focus on the fact that the LGBTQ plus community is not having these conversations. For a lot of reasons, there's assumptive reasoning about why to approach somebody or not. Uh, And so that's my practice. I focus on the LGBTQ plus community, people of color and women and professionals in these worlds that don't customarily have these conversations. And they're very unique communities. We can't say, I have this discussion. It's like, oh, financial planning is the same for everybody. I'm like, that's the problem is that you think that. (laughs) So, and it's not. And so so that's what my practice is. And I also work with kids for surrogacy adoption and IVF planning. I also work a lot in the gender space, transgender, non-binary and overturning uh, underwriting procedures and also a lot with the HIV positive community. And so um, that's me as a little spiel about myself. uh, But the reason I bring that up is the passion I have behind it is how do I talk to someone that's like me in these conversations where I don't have to explain certain things because we all know it already. And I can just dig into something without judgment, without anybody having thoughts about something, without having someone talking down to me. and having a comfort level where you can have these conversations. And you don't have to pay oodles of money for it. Like when you work with me, I you don't get charged for things like this. It's not, I don't put myself on retainer until we start looking at what actually happens, and then that's you know a conversation. And so um, that's my advice when working with a, a professional. If it's not someone directly like this, making sure you get somebody that is somehow understanding about your your position in some way, shape, or form.
0: So it's it's very similar to um, you know we have spent the last several years at Gays with Kids talking to surrogacy agencies, uh, adoption agencies, foster care agencies, uh, which you know to because there's no shortage of options in any of these spaces. Right? right. There's lots of lots and lots of when you do a simple Google search, you'll be overwhelmed by the options that you have uh, in each of these spaces, but um, You know, they all very well may be well meaning, um, but although that's not true within some of the foster care and adoption spaces which are actively discriminating against us but um, Mm -hmm. there is something to be said for um, professionals that uh, not only know how to navigate these processes. Uh, but also have a deep commitment to the LGBTQ community, um, and this is no different for you know the financial uh, sector, legal. It's it's true across um, many of the different uh, places that impact our lives because um, they do impact the queer community differently in ways that we don't always think about. So I think um, yeah, just as you've uh, laid out, there's um, it's you know a very good <laughs> good uh, rationale for why you'd want to work with someone that you know is approaching this from a place of understanding our community in a uh, in a more you know holistic way. Well, Matthew, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to uh, t- walk us through all this. I, uh, I'm, I, This is the sort of podcast I hope people listen to several times because there's a lot of really great pieces of information in here. Uh, and again, we'll link to a lot of the things that Matthew mentioned um, throughout the blog post that we will run with this. Uh, but I can't thank you enough, Matthew, um, yeah. and we hope to have you on a future podcast.
1: Thank you, and I do just have to say a quick disclaimer, a legal one um, that's based on the need from the SEC and FINRA. So uh, when I mentioned things like Northwestern Mutual, so Northwestern Mutual is the marketing name for Northwestern Mutual life insurance company, and uh, we'll refer to that as NM and its subsidiaries, including Northwestern Mutual long-term care company, uh, Northwestern Mutual Investment Services. I am a registered investment advisor and it is a registered adve- rest, uh, investment advisor, broker, dealer, and member of FINRA and CIFIC. and Northwestern Mutual Wealth Management Company, a federal savings bank. Uh, NM and its subsidiaries are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Matthew Erickson. Yes.